morning. It's only because of his amazing grace. Amen. Let's sing this together. God so loved the world. Sing it out. Come on, put your hands together. Help us out. Drink up. 
give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. Well, if you're saved this morning, let your face know it. Everybody smile at me if you would. Show me what you got. Gums, dentures, teeth, I don't care. Amen. It's good to see you this morning. And uh, if you don't mind, uh, let's just greet one another. Turn around, tell somebody, you sure do look good this morning. And uh, we're going to fellowship for just a little bit, okay? and you can go ahead and be seated while we go and we do a few announcements this morning. this morning. Uh, how many of you know what today is? Come on, yell it out. What is today? Palm Sunday. This is the week that uh, the day that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And what does that mean next Sunday is? Come on, what does that mean next Sunday is? Easter ought to be the greatest day for every Christian as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why you and I can have eternal life and we have the hope of heaven. Amen. Uh, I hope that you will be thinking, who can I invite on Easter? Can I tell you this? And this ain't just the preacher talking. This has been a proven fact. Uh, people are willing to come on Easter. People that you've asked all year long that have said, no, no, I ain't coming to church. I ain't doing that. Uh, they will say they are more likely to say yes on Easter Sunday than any other Sunday. So even if you think, well, they'll never say yes, go back and try, okay? Go back and invite them, all right? Because it might be the one time, because Easter Sunday is just a day that uh, a lot of people will be in church that have never been the rest of the year, okay? So uh, please bring somebody with you. Uh, in fact, what we are doing for Easter Sunday, uh, all visitors and whoever brings those visitors, we're going to give them a free movie pass to Times Square Cinema. Uh, we've been doing that for a few years back now, so... Uh, you come. There's some great Christian movies showing right now at Times Square. Jesus Revolution. We went and saw the one the other night about Abraham, his only son. So some great Christian movies there. Uh, so if you come uh, next uh, next Sunday for Easter, uh, bring a visitor. They will receive a movie ticket, and you will receive a movie ticket for bringing those visitors. Okay. So we want to pack the house, and uh, we want to have a great Easter Sunday. We are also going to have a gigantic Easter egg hunt after service okay uh we we used to do that while the uh, miss cindy would take the kids out and do the easter egg hunt 
but we had some complaints that the parents didn't get to uh, take pictures and all that. So we're going to do that right after service, okay? Miss Cindy will take them, teach them a lesson on Easter Sunday morning. They'll have children's church, but then we're going to do the Easter egg hunt right after service. So plan on a little extra time staying for the Easter egg hunt after service, all right? And uh, if you want to bring Easter eggs, that's another announcement too. What we're doing is we're doing the little plastic eggs filled with candy, not chocolate. Why not chocolate, Brother Mark? Because you see that sun out there, it will melt that chocolate, amen? And these kids are messy enough, we don't need to help them, all right? So uh, no chocolate, but if you can bring us, uh, we're keeping them in my office, but if you can bring a bag of just the plastic eggs filled with candy that is not chocolate, uh, we will use those for, uh, for the Easter egg hunt next week. So bring those by Wednesday night if you can, okay? Uh, we always need help for teachers uh, and helpers on children and toddlers. For Sunday morning and Wednesday night, you can see Miss Cindy. Where'd Miss Cindy go? Uh, she's back preparing, all right, preparing for the kids, all right. So you can see her if you can help, all right. Uh, I forgot visitors this morning. Did we have any first-time or second-time visitors today? Would you just raise up a hand? We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to get you a card to fill out. Anybody visiting today for the first time, second time? All right, over here, awesome. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Good to have you all this morning. Fill that out. Put that in the basket on your way out, if you would, today. We're so glad you're here. Uh, we also need volunteers for the lawn team. As you can tell, uh, spring has sprung, uh, which means uh, that lawn out there needs a haircut just about every week or every other week. So if you can help us on the lawn team, uh, please see Brother G Gary Curry or myself, and we'll get you put on that. Uh, don't forget, we also had to postpone the revival. We normally do a revival meeting at the end of April. Uh, Brother Herman is taking care of his daughter who has cancer, so had to cancel. So uh, we're going to postpone that. Uh, we love Brother Herman, so we're going to try to maybe uh, get with him again uh, maybe later on, uh, right, right as school starts. Uh, but we are postponing that until, uh, until he can come and be with us. Uh, giving can be done in an envelope with cash or check. But you can also give online. Uh, you can go to that right there, giving.landmarktyler.com, and you set it up one time, and you're good to go, okay? Um, let's see. Our class continues today. We're doing a class called Life's Healing Choices, and it's based on Celebrate Recovery. Anybody here ever heard of Celebrate Recovery? Celebrate Recovery is a wonderful ministry, and it's for people who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Well, Brother Mark, I'm not an alcoholic, and I'm not addicted to drugs, Amen. It's way more than that, amen? You just got one word, habit, all right? There are hurts and hang-ups, too. If you've had trauma from your past, if you've had a, abuse from your past, if you've had things in your life that you're just struggling to get through, it is also for those things. So uh, Life's Healing Choices, that happens at 2 o'clock on Sundays. Uh, it's an eight-week eight class. You can jump in right now. Uh, so be here at 2 o'clock, and uh, we will uh, have that class today. Uh, Churchwide Garage Sale. I was told to really hammer down on this. Amen. Uh, so there are a lot of ladies working really hard. Miss Pat is kind of heading things up. And so you can see Miss Pat if you have any questions. But April the 14th and 15th are, um, is that a Friday, Saturday? That's a Friday, Saturday. We're going to have the actual sale here. We did it um, last year or a couple years ago. We set everything up in Fellowship Hall, just outside the Fellowship Hall. What we need you to do is on Thursday, April 13th, is bring all your stuff and to save time and help us, if you would go ahead and price your stuff, all right? Uh, that's, that's what takes the longest. So you can go ahead and your stuff, just uh, what you think it's worth. If you were selling it in your garage sale, just go ahead and price that. That way somebody won't have to go through every single thing that comes through here because you'd be amazed at how much stuff we get. Amen. 
so uh, all the proceeds on that are going towards our, our building fund. Uh, we're almost done with our, our new children's building out here, and so uh, all proceeds will go towards that, all right? Uh, again, if you got any questions, see Miss Pat on that, okay? Uh, and then a ladies fellowship. We'll be doing a ladies fellowship at the end of April, Saturday, April 29th at Jessica Allen's house at 4 o'clock. Uh, church van will leave here at 3 p.m. She lives out by the lake. So uh, if, it's, uh, if you want to ride, just come and catch the church van here at 3 o'clock. It'll leave here to go out there. I think that's everything. Did I forget anything? That's my wife back there, by the way, y'all. I don't just ask anybody. So, amen. Uh, all right, that's good. Hey, let's stand. Let's continue to worship this morning. We want to teach you a, a new song, kind of an upbeat new song. And hopefully I've learned it. If I mess it up, please forgive me. It's called I Thank God. Amen.
kind of blunt brother mark isn't it but isn't that true because of jesus hell lost another one that's right because i am free because i was headed on my way to hell any of you same don't look at me all self-righteous you was we was all headed to hell amen but because of jesus he set us free put our feet on a solid rock amen what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of jesus amen seated we're going to do things a little bit different today and uh, one of the reasons we wanted to do them different 
is we wanted to partake in the Lord's Supper today. So Brother Richard and uh, some of our deacons are going to come help us share. We're going to leave the kids in here. Normally we do this when the kids have left, but Miss Cindy wanted to teach the kids about the Lord's Supper this morning and what it represents. And so uh, many times we think, well, the children just get them out of here. But listen, if they don't understand what we're doing, if they don't understand what's happening in big church, amen, then uh, they, they are behind the curve. And we want to teach them why we do what we do. So we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper. It represents what Jesus Christ uh, did for us on the cross. We will take the bread, which represents his broken body that was given for us. We will drink of the cup, which represents his blood that was spilled for us. Amen. And so we want everyone to understand that and to partake in that. The way we start the, uh, the Lord's Supper is it, on the Last Supper, when Jesus met in the upper room with the uh, disciples, they prayed first, and they inspected their hearts. Because when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it should be something very serious because of what it represents. And so we want our hearts to be right. So before we ever start with this tonight, uh, this morning, what I would like you to do is just spend some time praying to the Lord. If there's any unrepented sin, any un, uh, unconfessed sin in your life, that now would be the time to confess that sin. Now would be the time to just say, Lord, would you prepare my heart as I remember what you did for me, as I remember what you did for me on the cross, would you prepare my heart for it? So if you would, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And we're just going to have a moment of silent prayer for you to just do business with the Lord before we do this, all right? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to partake in the Lord's Supper. God, we ask that you would have your will and your way in this place today. God, as we remember your body that was broken for us and your blood that was spilled for us, Lord, I pray that, God, this would just, we would have an awareness, not just today, but all week this week, as it represents Holy Week, leading up to your death and your burial and your resurrection. May we understand, God, that this is what we love and what we worship about you, God. We thank you for eternal life. We thank you for the hope of heaven. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins that were paid for on that cross. So, Lord, prepare our hearts and our lives right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill this place as we partake in this Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start. The men are going to pass out the bread first. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for you. If you will take a piece of bread and just hold on to it, then we will all partake together.
Jesus took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Father, we pray over the fruit of the vine now, God, as we remember your blood that was spilled for us. As your word says, Lord, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so, Lord, we thank you that you willingly spilled your blood to cover our sins and the sins of all mankind. Bless this time now as we remember your blood that was spilled for us in Jesus' name. Amen. The men are going to pass out the cups. If you would, again, take a cup and just hold on to it, and then we'll all partake together.
Then Jesus took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is my blood which was shed for you. And as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. If you would, you can just leave your little cups in your chair. We'll pick those up after the service. Let's pray. Father, we love you today, God. We thank you for your gift of salvation, Lord, that you provided for us on the cross. We thank you for your cross. We thank you for the death and the burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. But more than anything, Lord, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you that you're, you're not dead, you're alive, Lord, and we can have eternal life for those of us that have given our heart and our life to you. I pray if someone today here has not done that, that God, they would give their heart and their life to you before they leave today. We thank you for this time and what it means to us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. We're going to give, yeah, that's all right. We can give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. If you have children that would like to go to Children's Church, they can meet Miss Cindy and Miss April over here at the door. And uh, they're going to take you and give them a wonderful lesson today. And the rest of you, you're stuck with me for a few minutes. All right. I wanted to talk to you today about Palm Sunday, and on Palm Sunday, this is what's called Holy Week. It begins with Palm Sunday uh, today and then goes all through this week. That is the last week of Christ's life. And then, of course, next Sunday is e Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what they mean when they say Friday's here, but Sunday's a coming. Amen. They put him, on the put him in the grave on Friday, but he rose again on Sunday. Amen. And so today is Palm Sunday. And do you remember what happened on Palm Sunday? On Palm yes, ma'am. All right, one more worker. Can anybody uh, help us out? Are you going to help Miss Pat? Okay, Miss Pat's going to help. All right, Miss Pat. Miss Pat will help her. That's fine. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, Palm Sunday, remember they were uh, waving the palm branches. Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, and they were shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. So they were celebrating Jesus on uh, Palm Sunday, and they were waving the palm branches, which is what they would do towards royalty, and he rode in a on a donkey. And uh, quite a contrast from just a few days later when they're shouting, crucify him. So on Palm Sunday, they're shouting, Hosanna, which I don't know if you know what Hosanna means. Many people think Hosanna translates into praise him or a, a praise, a, no, a note of praise. But Hosanna translated actually means he who saves now. So they were shouting, Hosanna, he who saves now. Jesus is here. He's our Messiah, and he is here to save us now. Amen. And so they're shouting Hosanna. And then just a few days later, those same people are shouting, crucify, 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 all right? Um, Jesus is brought to Pilate days later. He is a political hot potato, all right? Pilate wants nothing to do with Jesus, but Pilate is the guy who's in charge, so they bring Jesus before Pilate. Pilate does everything he can to get out of crucifying Jesus. He does not want to crucify Jesus because he knows the guy really has not done anything wrong. He hasn't broken any law, and they're talking about crucifixion. Now, crucifixion was reserved for only the worst criminals. Usually, it was murder. If, if you were uh, convicted of murder, then they gave you the most painful way to die, 
and that was crucifixion. And now here is this guy, Jesus Christ. They bring him before Pilate, and he's really done nothing wrong. He's performed miracles. He's proclaiming to be the, uh, you know, the Messiah and the Son of God. But other than that, he's really done nothing wrong. And yet they are talking about execution, and not just any execution, the execution reserved for the most heinous of criminals. Okay, So Pilate is in a hot spot. And he knows he's got a political hot potato because he has the Romans, uh, which he's kind of in charge of. But then he has all of these religious leaders, the Jews, and they have all their high priests there. And they have the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they want him killed because Jesus has kind of upset their little world. Uh, they're looking for a Messiah, and they want somebody to come and be their warrior leader, come in on a big horse, wielding a sword, and overthrow those Romans where they could be in control again. And so that's what they're looking for. And Jesus is coming, and he's preaching love and forgiveness, and, uh, you know, that all these laws that they've come up with have nothing to do. It's about a man's heart and what's on the inside of a man. And so uh, he is upsetting their deal, all right? So here's what ends up happening. They bring it before Pilate. Pilate tries to get out of it and says, well, wait, we got a real murderer over here. Remember his name? Barabbas. We have a real murderer over here. He really deserves crucifixion. So let me give you Barabbas instead. I will. I can release Jesus or I can release Barabbas. And he thought for sure that uh, they would say crucify Barabbas because he's the one that really deserves it. But they don't. The crowd still yells even more, crucify him, crucify him. So then Pilate has no choice but just to release the murderer, Barabbas. Okay? And so he releases him. And then he says, well, what would you have me do with this man? And they yell all the more, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Then do you remember what Pilate did? Pilate still did not want to crucify him. He said, I'm not, his blood will not be on my hands. And do you remember what Pilate did? He washed his hands. And he said, his blood is not on my hands. But the crowd, and especially the religious crowd. Now, can I tell you this? Here's a lesson we need to learn. The religious crowd sometimes will be the very one Calling for your murder. Amen. Uh, I tell people all the time, religion will not save you. A a relationship with the Savior will save you. Many people are like, well, I got hurt in church. Well, guess what? That's where the devil will get you the most. Amen. Because the church is not perfect. Why? Because it's made up of people. And we as people are sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. It is not a perfect entity, but it is his body. It's the body of Christ. And we are there to encourage one another, to spur one another on towards good deeds. But if you're coming here thinking you won't get your feelings hurt, you are sadly mistaken. And many people think, well, if I walk through those doors, the devil's not there. Oh, he's here more than he is anywhere else. Why? Because he's already in charge of everything going on out there. He does not like what's going on in here. So he will follow somebody in to create division and to create uh, all kinds of things. And he wants to destroy the church. He would like to kill the church. The Bible says in John 10.10 that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy every good thing, everything that is of God. So if you don't think the devil's here, you are sadly mistaken. He wants to get in here, and he wants to mess this up as much as anything, worse than anything, all right? But we, as the body of Christ, I'm your brother, you're my sister, we need each other. You ain't the lone, You cannot be a Christian and be the Lone Ranger. Even the Lone Ranger needed Tonto. Amen. We all need somebody. We are here to encourage one another. Uh, it doesn't mean we're not going to mess up. Here's, here's the difference when you look at it. I said this a couple weeks ago. If you look at this as a club, 
you're going to get your feelings hurt. And if you look at this club and say, well, they hurt my feelings, so I ain't going to that club no more. That's because you got stinking thinking. This is not a club. You know what this is? This is family. Any of y'all got a dysfunctional family? Hello. I got one. And we're family. And we fight, but we make up. Amen. We disagree, but we figure out a way to get around it. We don't like each other sometimes, but we love each other because that's what family does. This ain't a club. If, you, if your thinking is wrong, that's why you've gotten your feelings hurt and you said, well, I ain't going to church no more. They hurt my feelings. This is family. Amen. And we're, some things are going to be said, but you know what? Family is family. Amen. And uh, I may not like you, uh, and Tracy may some, say something to hurt my feelings, but don't you say anything bad about Tracy. Now, I can talk about Tracy because she's my sister, amen? But, but don't you say anything about Tracy because we're going to fight, amen? That's what family does. So we're not a country club. We are family, and that's the way you look at church. Uh, we're dysfunctional. We don't always agree. We don't always get along, but we are family eternally tied together. Amen? Eternally tied together. So let's, I wanted to look today at the seven last statements that Jesus made on the cross. You think the words of Jesus are important? You ever just get your Bible and just read the red letters if you have the red letter edition? Uh, if, if we would just take just the red letters and just look at the things that Jesus said, the things that came exactly out of Jesus' mouth, if we could just do those things, we'd be way ahead of the game, wouldn't we? So we're going to look at it. I think it's very important, the seven last statements that Jesus said on the cross. Uh, we're going to start with Scripture in John chapter uh, 19, verses 14 through 18. And this is talking about what we just talked about. Now, it was the preparation day of the Passover at about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold your king. Now, this is Pilate, and he's tried to get out of it, but he can't get out of it. So he gives them over to them, and he says, behold your king. And he even has a sign made, remember, that says king of the Jews. That wasn't what it was supposed to say. You know what? The, and the Jews go back to Pilate and they say, that's not what we want you. You need to redo the sign and put, he said he is the king of the Jews. Because they didn't believe he was the king of the Jews. But Pilate says, what I've written is what I've written. And guess what? That turned into prophecy. Because guess what? Jesus was exactly who he said he was. And Pilate wrote it wrong and they tried to get him to change it. And he says, I wrote what I wrote. It's there. Because it was prophecy, this was the king of the Jews, all right? And then uh, verse 15 says, but they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Again, they did not want that sign up there, but it was already written. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and they led him away. And then we're going to... As we know the story, we know that they put the cross upon him. He carried it down that road to Golgotha, uh, down the Via Dolorosa, which means the road to death. And they took him to a, the place of the skull, Golgotha. And if you've been over there, you can walk to those places, see those places. It's amazing. If you've never gotten to go to the Holy Land, I, I encourage you to go. It'll change your life. But you can see where this was all done. And he bearing his cross went out and he took a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, the place of the skull. And you can see that the, the, uh, the place where they uh, called it Golgotha, it looks like a skull. And so they put him there and they crucified him. And they hung on him, remember? 
On either side of him were two thieves on the cross. Now, it calls them thieves on the cross, but more than likely, like I said, they were actually murderers because crucifixion was only reserved for the, because it was the slowest death. All right? So he's got these two hanging on him. So let's look at the seven last statements that Jesus makes from the cross. The first thing he says is, Father, forgive them. His prayer is for his enemies. His prayer, the first prayer out of his mouth is not, Lord, take care of my family. Lord, take care of my mama who was at the foot of the cross. Lord, take care of my disciples. His first prayer out of his mouth as he's hanging on the cross is for his enemies. What does that say to you and me? Is there anybody that we should stop praying for? Is there anybody beyond the reach of salvation? Never stop praying. I get convicted of this one because in my human mind, sometimes I go, they're too far gone. They've said no way too many times. Their life is too bad, and they're having too good a time, and they will never get saved. Ever been there? Don't stop praying. Parents, don't ever stop praying for those prodigals. Grandma, grandpa, don't ever stop praying for those prodigals. Don't ever stop praying for those co-workers. Don't ever stop praying because if Jesus from the cross can pray for those and look down on them and forgive those who are literally killing him on that cross, why do you and I need to stop praying? Why would we ever stop praying? There is nobody, there is nothing beyond the reach of the cross and his forgiveness. Never stop praying for the lost. Never stop praying for prodigals. Because here's what happens. You know what happens after the cross? If you fast forward past the cross, a little while later, there's this thing that happens called the day of Pentecost. And Peter begins to preach. And it says that Peter was full of the Holy Spirit. And as Peter's preaching, he's looking out at these people and he's saying, oh, yeah, I saw you at the cross. Oh, yeah, you were the one nailing the spikes in his hands. You were the one cramming the crown of thorns down on his head. And he's preaching to those very people who had crucified Jesus just a little while before. And I mean, he goes after them. And he preaches full of the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people, of which many were those very people standing at the foot of the cross, crucifying him. Even the Roman soldier, do you remember the Roman soldier, comes to him, kneels down at the foot of the cross and says, Surely this was the Son of God. Even the ones that had participated, once they saw what happened, they could not deny that he was who he said he was. All right? Father, forgive them. Isn't it amazing? The very first words out of his mouth are for the people that are murdering him right then and there. Number two, he says this. Remember, two thieves on either side. One rejects him. One accepts him. And Jesus replies to him, today you will be with me in paradise. He says, I believe. The the thief on one side says, I believe. I believe you're who you said you are. Please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Because all it takes is just a step of faith. See, the thief on the cross messes a lot of people's theology up. Because out of Jesus' own mouth, he says all it took was for that guy to say one thing. Admit one thing. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He didn't take the Lord's Supper. 
He didn't come down off the cross and get baptized. He didn't come down off the cross and sign a card and walk an aisle. He didn't go through a class. He didn't have time to do a lot of good works or good deeds. He simply stated, I put my faith. I, I believe you are who you said you are. I believe. For whoever calls upon and believes in the name of the Lord shall be plus something else. And that messes a lot of people's theology up. Oh, well, you know, no, it's not just the cross. You got to do enough good deeds and you got to go to a class and you got to be baptized and you got to do all this. Not if you, if, if, if that is really, and Jesus told him out of his own mouth, today you're going to be with me in paradise. That means all it takes is a step of faith in your heart. If you've not done that, if pride has kept you from that, if arrogance has kept you from that, put it aside. Because Jesus, out of his own mouth, said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody's going to come to the Father except through me. Number three, remember who was standing at the cross? Everybody scattered, remember? There was only two standing at the cross. And that was the mother of Jesus, Mary, and John, the disciple that he loved. Everybody else had scattered. And John is probably there. He's probably scared to death afraid they may put him on a cross too but he's there because he promised he would take care of his mother and so he's there because Jesus' mother is there and he feels obligated and Jesus looks down and he says woman behold your son and son behold your mother what was he doing he's giving comfort he's sitting there dying but he's thinking about his mother He's thinking about his mother having to sit, stand down there and watch all this. Do you think that Jesus knows your pain? Do you think that he can relate to your pain? See, many of us say, well, yeah, he knows our pain because he was on that cross suffering. Even more so than that, look what he's doing here. He is empathizing and sympathizing and wants to comfort his mother because she's having to stand there and watch this happen. He's worried about her more than he's worried about himself. So he tells his brother John, again, family, not country club. Well, you know, John, you're the president of our country club, so would you please take care of my mother? No. He says, John, you're my brother. And so, John, I need you to take care of my mother because that's what a brother does, and you're my brother. And he tells her, behold, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Okay? Number four thing. And this one's hard. Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And many people look at this and they say, well, see, I don't know if he really was the son of God because he's losing his faith right there. It wasn't that he was losing his faith. It was that he knew that his father, at this very point in time, he was having to take on my sin, your sin, the sin of the entire world, because he had no sin. And so the entire weight of the sin of the world was placed on him at this point, and he knows that his father cannot look upon sin, and so his father has to turn his face away from him. And Jesus realizes at this moment... And he realizes that God has turned his face away. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not questioning his faith. He is brokenhearted because he is having to be, bear the weight 
of your sin and my sin. When we say that he paid for our sins, do you realize that is literal? He took the weight of the sin on my body, on his body, and he took my sin, your sin, all of our sin, and that was all placed upon him. All right? Um, then it says this. Uh, look at this scripture, Matthew 27, 45 and 46. It says, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, the sixth hour to the ninth hour, do you know when that was? You go by the way the Jewish calendar looked at a daytime. The sixth hour was noon, high noon, when the sun should be the highest. And the Bible tells us that from the sixth hour, noon until 3 p.m., when the sun should be the highest, the brightest, and the hottest, it says everything turned dark. If that happened here, you and I would freak out. Everything just went completely dark from noon to 3 o'clock while Jesus is hanging on that cross. And then he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then after that, he says, number five, he says, I thirst. I thirst. Jesus is completely dehydrated, and he knows that he is now nearing the end. This is an indication, again, he thirsts because he's beginning to lose his life. He can feel the life beginning to ebb out from his body. And so he indicates that with I thirst. Then number six, he says this, it is finished. Maybe one of the most powerful statements in the Bible. Because what he's saying is here, and it's a, it's a certain Jewish word, it's one word, but that's what it means, it is finished. And it's the word that a Jewish guy would say when he completes a job. If I, if I hired Steve to come over to my house and do a job and build something, and then he would walk up to me at the end when he was done, and he would say that word. And that would mean, I'm done. I'm completed. The job is completed. It's finished. Okay? And so that was the word that was used. It is finished. The job is completed. Everything has been done. Everything I came to do, the plan is finished. It's like putting the seal on it. Jesus said, everything is finished. And then the very last thing that he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he dies. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Here's the thing. I'm going to ask the band to come while we talk about this last thing. And I want you to focus with me, all right? Into your hands I commit my spirit. I don't know if you heard today, but the pastor of... Um, Rose Heights Church of God, Brother Doug Anderson, been battling with cancer. He passed away yesterday. And what that reminds me is, listen, Brother, Brother Doug gave his life for the Lord. He did everything he did to bring glory and honor to the Lord. He, he pastored that church. You would think of anybody, well, Lord, surely you're going to let a guy like that live a long, long old life. And surely you're going to let a guy like that, you're going to show him favor. Guess what? There are no guarantees. You can do everything right. You can pay the price. You can do all the things that God has asked you to do. You could have followed him to the T. But guess what? Sometimes the good die young. Because the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. And guess who made that appointment? It ain't you. God made it. 
And you don't get to choose when it is. And some people, it may be in their teen years. Some people, it may be in their 30s or their 40s. Some people, it may be in their 50s or their 60s. And some lucky people get to make it into their 80s, 90s, even maybe 100. But you don't get to choose that. God chooses that for you. It is appointed unto men once to die. And can I guarantee you this? Unless the Lord comes back, everybody in here is going to have a final day. Everybody in here is going to have a final statement. Everybody in here is going to have a final time where you're going to meet the Lord face to face unless he comes back before you die. So the reality is this. Have you committed your spirit to him? The question is not are you going to die. You're going to die. The question is are you ready to die? Are we ready to meet him? Have we committed our spirit to him? One day what happened to Jesus will happen to us. We will all face death. And this doesn't sound right, but we will all face death because it's a part of life. Brother Mark, that don't even make any sense. Yes, it does. Death is a part of life. Can I guarantee you this? The day you were born, you started a journey towards death. The first day you were born, you were one day closer to death than you were before you were born. And every day, you get one day closer and one day closer. And, you know, sometimes we wish, well, I, I wish I knew the day and the hour so that I could... You know, rush around and do everything I need to do right for it. No, listen, you, that's, that was the point. You don't need to know because you need to live every single day as if it's your last day because you don't know. And that's the way the Lord wanted. I believe that's the way he intended it. Live every day as if it's your last moment because we have a tendency to be lazy, don't we? We have a tendency to be, anybody else in here a procrastinator besides me? Amen. We have a tendency to procrastinate. Well, I'll do everything I want to do, and then about the last month, I'll give it all to Jesus. Amen. It don't work that way. Amen. So I want to tell you this. Death is a part of life. It's our payment for our life in the flesh. You know, God gave you life, and if you go back to Genesis and you look at Adam and Eve, sin entered into the world, and after sin entered into the world, death entered into the world. So God gave you life, but you know what brought about death? Sin. And because you and I are sinners, that's why we have to die. But guess what? You don't have to die. The Bible says that we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the gift of God, and I need you to hear this this morning, for the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a gift. You didn't deserve it. You don't earn it. It is a free gift. All you have to do is reach out and say, I accept. And many people say, that's, that's too easy. Or I, I got to do something. Or I'm, I'm prideful and I got to work for it. I got to earn it. No. If you try to make it Jesus plus anything else, it won't work. It is what he did for you because it's out of his great love and his great mercy. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? As Christians, you and I don't need to fear death. Because here's what the Bible says, and I need you to hear this. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Death's nothing to fear for a Christian. Because to a Christian, it is simply leaving all this pain, all of this hurt, and what is temporary, and passing through a door, and going to what is eternal life with him. No more pain, no more suffering, no more crying. Have you done that today? You need to do that today. If you're here and you say, well, I did that a long time ago when I was a kid, but Mark, I've done a lot of wrong things. I've, I've wandered way far away. Guess what? 
He is a father that is always looking for his children. He is always waiting with his arms open wide. All you got to do is go running back into his arms. You need to come back to him today. Today is the day. I say today, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. He is the God who saves now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not when you get done with your fun. He is the God who saves now. Behold, today is the day of salvation. I want to invite you. If you've never prayed that prayer or if you've wandered away from him and you need to recommit yourself to him, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me and say, in your heart and your minds, just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I believe you died on that cross for my sins. And right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. Now, every head is still bowed, every eye is still closed. I don't want to embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today, or the first time, or the second time, or a hundred time as a, a prayer of recommitment, I just want to pray for you. Would you just lift up a hand so I'd know to pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Hands across the room. Thank you. Now, here's what I want you to do. You prayed that prayer for me today. Again, I won't embarrass you, but I would just love to know that you made that decision and pray personally for you. Would you just come up to me when we respond here in a moment? And just all you got to say is, I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. Father, have your will and your way during this time as we respond. The altar is open for people. I pray that we could come and lay our burdens at the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand with me, Julie is going to play. And uh, we invite you. The altar is open to pray. If you'd like somebody to pray over you, I would be honored to pray over you. If you need to come and join the church, do anything, uh, now is the time to do that. You come as we sing, all right?
message spoke to your heart uh, we always like to end here with praise and so we want to worship the Lord we're gonna sing one more song uh, so if you would let's all sing together uh, he's a good good father do you believe that this morning he's our good good father let's sing it together
we love you this morning. God, we thank you that you love us more than we could ever understand or comprehend. Lord, we thank you that you're a good, good father who loves his children. We thank you for everything that's happened in this place today. Thank you for remembering what you did on the cross for us. And God, as we approach Easter Sunday, God, may we all go out and invite someone. May we all go out and share the gospel with somebody. God, may we all go out and just be a witness for you as we enter our mission field, as we go out these doors, God. May we go and tell the world about you and about what you've done. We thank you for everything that you've given us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Don't forget 2 o'clock, Life's Healing Choices classes. And, uh, man, we will have a great time with you today.